on TV, online, and on Second Thought, let's do talk about the pokers. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Good evening. And live via Skype here to troll the fuck out of this show is my work abusive stepfather, Matt Broughton. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. The thing is, Matt does troll, but he does it with a smile. He does it with a smile, and he is very, very funny, unfortunately. I have no leg to stand on. Guys, I'm in a great mood today. Hurrah! We had a great episode of the EPT on last night, the grand final from season 12. I have a tweet that's doing really well about the World Series of Poker. You know, I love that. 95 retweets and counting. And I and I went on a date with a doctor last night. At least I think she was a doctor. This stethoscope looked real. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, lots to do. We are going to recap the Malta main event and all the shit that happened on the way home for all of us. <laughs> Two TV shows to recap. Uh, Matt, you confessed before you used to fast forward all the part was from, with me and James, but now you don't watch the shows at all anymore. Did you watch either of these? No. Ah, <laughs> Sorry. I, I reckon Matt could have got away with it, though. I reckon you could have done a very convincing job because you were there for when the final tables played out. You co-hosted the live stream, so you could have talked about the hands with great knowledge. Matt's, yeah, I've missed a trick there. I do apologize. Matt's memory of doing it live will be better than my memory of watching it last night. <laughs> that does not surprise me. Uh, and today on Superfan vs. Stapes is another superfan who's been to my home. A.K.A. a Stapes stalker. Jeffrey Ann Bender. Uh-huh. And his specialist subject is classic rock. Now, does he mean Rolling Stones classic rock or like Warrant and Rat? Well, the weird thing is I decided to seek clarification because I think we'll all agree that this is a pretty broad genre. Um, So I said, can you just give me some kind of guidelines on what you consider classic rock to be? Anything from Beatles to Fleetwood Mac, Billy Joel, Elton John, Genesis, Yes, Rush, Tom Petty, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Yes, Pearl Jam is starting to be included in classic rock now. And I was going to ask, Matt, what's your opinion on this? Well, uh, first and foremost, it just makes me feel really old. Because, you know, it's like calling Britney Spears classic vintage pop. You're like, Christ. Um, Classic vintage masturbation material, as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. I will accept accept Pearl Jam as classic rock because I think it is a pretty long time ago now. So, yeah, I think we'll accept that. What about Journey? See, when I think classic rock, I'm like I think like arena bands, not necessarily bands as good as did he? He didn't say the Beatles, right? The Beatles was on that list. Yeah, yes. I wouldn't consider that's oldies. Yeah, see, the thing is, Beatles is like kind of pop music of its time. You know, taking pop music to be popular music. You know, it, it's not it's not like the Beatles ever kicked over any amplifiers or you know pissed on any audience members so yeah i'm not sure as much as i love the beatles that i would necessarily say they're classic rock well we probably need to discuss this with jeffrey when he's on the show all i would say is if this were a radio station its playlist would be a little bit too broad to hold down a solid audience that's right i mean you can only play 12 songs every hour and the same 12 songs so you really don't need that many bands i mean we're now at a point where radio stations will literally cover rock music from the year 1985 to 1987 specifically (laughs) march through to may yeah i mean in in defense of jeffrey i i actually the one radio station i have on pretty much all the time in my house like as background noise is one of the classic rock ones and all of the bands that you've just listed do appear on quite a regular basis so i guess he is validated just by that very existence james uh so matt do you know the world series of poker main event is still happening right now like as we're recording this there's still heads up 
Yes, I saw I saw an update this morning and a, and a photo of of Kara grinning for the sixteenth hour consecutively. So yeah, I uh, I was aware it's still ticking over in the background. I gotta say it's kind of fun listening to Lon and Norm at the tail end of like a marathon broadcast, acting as if they're the only people that have ever done it before. <laughs> yeah, I bet they don't have any great games that involve Photoshop. <laughs> They're definitely not playing what's in Norm's mouth right now or communicating <laughs> with people's pets like we did at the grand final a couple years ago. Oh man, that would be yeah, awesome. I bet there's no Norman there's no Norman Chad's chinny chin chin championships, is there, eh? <laughs> I know who's the top broadcasters in the world. But social media is going crazy right now over World Series of Poker stuff. Is anyone talking about us? Uh, a few people are. <laughs> uh, first of all, Moonchild, who salutes us for our work on EPT Live during Malta, because Moonchild says, I always play better during and just after EPT Live. Thanks for the great commentary. Moonchild scored second place in an MTT on Stars. Woo! Go, nice. Moonchild! Run good. We also say hello to Phil Cooper, who says, I feel like this is my first tweet. Kind of is in a while, because I had my... S- Okay. My timeline's set I, to private. I have a story about Phil coming up later. Hold that. Okay. Hold that tweet. The f- tweet has That'll been That'll be held. some foreshadowing, like when someone coughs into a bloody handkerchief in a movie and then sheepishly hides it. Uh, Artem Korolev uh, is trying to get a slot on Superfan vs. Stapes, but then tweets, Wish me luck. This is my fourth attempt to get through the latest episode of EPT Not Live. The previous three, I fell asleep within 15 that minutes. That is not a super <laughs> fan. And finally, Superfan Daniel, who enjoyed the last podcast, but believes that Superfan versus Stapes needs more trash-talking slash sledging beforehand. You know what? I take constructive criticism very poorly. I agree with that guy. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? I like it. Well, like kind of like WWF, where everyone's just like growling into a microphone yeah. about how they're going to split each other in half and all I, that kind of stuff. I do think the problem is, though, that these people are our customers. They are our fans. They're our listeners. We can't have you abusing them on the podcast. No, that, well, I, do, I already do that on the live streams. I'm more than happy for the fan <laughs> to abuse you and for us to pile on. Yeah, James, this is this is where it becomes hugely apparent that you don't see the chat on Twitch during our broadcast, <laughs> where Joe... <laughs> Just basically, if he isn't swearing at someone, he's banning them or timing them out. So I think you might find that that little innocent Joey isn't quite as audience friendly as perhaps you believe. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Just a couple of quick competition winners, by the way. Obviously, we gave away, I think it was nine tickets uh, to Bahamas Phase 2 satellites. A reminder, by the way, that even though it's two phases, the ticket is worth $27. That gets you into Phase 1. You have to win Phase 1 to make it into Phase 2. Just want to be clear about how these satellites work. So we've got two more $27 tickets to give away because both DJ Skate and Michael Nadasdy changed their avatar yes! on stars to that picture, the Hartigan photobomb. The Gorm. Oh, and he even one of these guys in- included a screenshot where he says, hello, Uncle Daddy, everyone loves a chop pot. Yes, he does. Uh, so congratulations wow. to DJ Skate and to Michael. Uh, both of you guys are going to ship tickets as well. So that's it. We're done. We've given out the $27 tickets now. Uh, back to the usual run-of-the-mill, um, no interesting prizes to give away. <laughs> well, we might have more to give away soon, but we don't at the moment. That's all, right? That's the... That's the long and the short of it. Well, we still have the 27 euro step C ticket up for grabs in this week's edition yes. of Superfan versus Stakes. Matt, part of the big reason, uh, by the way, thanks for being with us, Matt. Um, part of the reason I wanted, me and James wanted to have you on the show is you, you tease this story in Superfan versus Stapes 
a couple of weeks ago when you did the questions about yourself and you were once confused for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I need oh, to hear the full version yes. of this. We were hoping to hear this on EPT Not Live at EPT Live, but we kind of ran out of time. Damn you, yeah, Toby uh, Stone! Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yes, the question, the question that was in the Superman vs. Stapes was saying... Uh, something like Matt once disappointed 600 people by being announced as, and then the yes. question was Bruce Willis. Okay, so Arnold Schwarzenegger. So we have spoken many times, as you know, that I was involved in the video games industry. In the early 2000s, I was, uh, what was I? I was international, international head of communications, very grand for Atari. Wow. And we no did they a... <laughs> nothing to do with me by the way james i watched uh, the uh, documentary you recommended to me yeah. on netflix about the uh, the et atari games buried in the desert i feel much better about my part in atari's demise because i think it's just a company that that would have gone down even it if i hadn't stolen from the start was it if one I, of those I, <laughs> was it one of those deals where like they were just too successful too quickly and then just pissed it all away yeah you know what it's another one of those companies that people will be looking back at in 10 years doing like you know marketing case studies um so, uh, any road up, we did a uh, Terminator Rise of the Machines video game. And this was around the time when companies were getting pretty serious about supporting video games from movie licenses. You know, in the old days, we just like paid a fee to use the name Total Recall or Robocop, and that was about it. But now the, the studios were really getting behind it and giving us like the voice talent of the actors, the likenesses, um, you know, and they were getting involved in the promotion. So we did this huge event in L.A. to launch the game and we had access to the stars of the film. We had the, the, the new female Terminator, Kristen, uh, what was her name, Christiana Lockon or something like that, gorgeous seven foot woman. Uh, Claire Danes was there, Nick Stoll was there, and of course the man himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But his time was so ridiculously controlled. We had 20 minutes of him doing a sit-down interview with a select number of journalists. He was going to do the red carpet for us, and he was going to come up on stage and say, I love video games, get through the chopper. <laughs> and that was, that was, you know... He, Wait, that literally was, that line, or you had him for two uh, two lines? No, no, he was going to come out side by side with his arm round the owner of the company, Bruno, pretending they were great mates and video games, aren't they fun? Um, and then he would be, you know, carried to a helicopter and flown off to the next, you know, mall opening or whatever he does of an evening. So we had him in. He was actually very nice, quite short, much shorter than you'd expect. He's, he's like um, exactly my height. He's like five foot ten. Yeah, is and, and I'm six foot, so I kind of I wasn't expecting to kind of just look slightly down at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Although he would probably still wring all your bones to powder, so let's not <laughs> be under any you know, misconceptions. But he was very good. He came, we did the afternoon sessions, he sat with the press, he did all that. Then he went away, and then he was going to come back for the big red carpet. So he comes back, he's on the red carpet, I'm kind of his handler, so I'm the guy that moves him on to the next, the next TV crew or the next reporter or whatever. And he's having quite a nice time, and I'm thinking, this is good, but... We synchronized watches the whole of my team because we just knew exactly where everyone had to be at exact times. And I know that I've got about a minute to get him to the end of the red carpet, up some steps to burst onto stage. But Arnie is having quite a nice time because this is a whole brand new kind of, you know, I've got international press, we've got American press, we've got blogs. These are journalists he's never really spoken to before, and he seems to be having quite a nice time. So I'm kind of getting a bit nervous. I've been in this situation before, and it's really hard to take someone who, like, they're, like let's be honest, their status in life is just way above yours, and then tell them they have to do something. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I've got people down at the stage in giving nervous looks, and I'm kind of making that face that you go, no, it's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, what do you want me to do? And finally, I just think, I, I've got to do this. So I go up to him and kind of slightly touch him on the shoulder, and he just turns around and looks at me. And at that point, his five foot ten demeanor was was a good seven foot nine. <laughs> and, and, and he just looked at me, and I just go away, sunny boy. And I thought, what do I do? What do I do? So my two options were just drag him away and suffer his wrath or just go and tell everyone to just chill everything out for like another 60 seconds. And I go running up to the other end of the red carpet. I head towards the stage. And then I realized there's announcements being made. And the reason I disappointed 600 people is because the announcement went, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, the Terminator himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think I'm about to come through the side curtain to find someone to say, chill out. And I walk straight through onto the stage. <laughs> all of the spotlights swing around on me. All of the music sparks up. Everyone's going absolutely ballistic. And of course, there's a couple, there's a couple of seconds where the lights just bright on me that I, what's happening. I just stand there blinking like a fish. And the audience at this point just see, I'm not suggesting I'm a Herculean bloke, but it's not, I'm clearly not, you know, five foot two girl in heels. So they just see this bloke stand up in the middle of the stage and then after about maybe three seconds, everyone's going, yeah. And then they go, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never heard a deer turn into a, oh, so quickly. And it's just devastating. Did they and get, I feel like. Did they get angry? Cool. Like, did they boo? Because sometimes the crowd <laughs> no. can turn on you too. They can throw bottles of piss well, at the stage when they're really riled. A good thing is in America. No, they kind of laughed. They kind of laughed at themselves because everyone had just gone, ah, oh. <laughs> Please tell me <laughs> there was, was some idiot in the crowd who actually thought you were Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, there was no one that thought that. And it was quite Woo, awful. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you look different in person and sound a lot more English. What an actor. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> the worst thing is, as the, as the noise is, yay. Oh. <laughs> it then goes, yay. And I think, oh, no, what? And then I turn around and over my left shoulder is Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> who has who has been devoid of the whole build up, the whole curtains opening, the whole spotlights. He's just basically walk up some steps behind me. He's looking at me thinking, who's this dickhead standing in my spot? Um, and and I just basically like like Dr. Zoidberg, just to scuttle off sideways, <laughs> just basically trying to get out of the way but the horrible thing is, i mean and that's my horrible tale of why i disappointed 600 people by not being arnold schwarzenegger but my crew all of the guys that i took from the uk over to help staff the event for about three or four weeks just every time we had a meeting back in our london offices if the, everyone's in the sort of boardroom and i would walk in is they would all go, yay, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I got totally trolled for it for a good month or so afterwards. But that's when I got to not be Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is, um, that's really tragic, Matt. Like, did you, it, you're it the is. kind of person who things sort of don't really affect you emotionally, but did you feel like stupid about that for like the rest of the night? I felt sick, I won't lie to you, because it was just such a hopeless... It, it, although, actually, the worst point was that being stuck halfway up the red carpet going, this way lies a lot of people to disappoint, and this way is Mr. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, who looks like he wants to tear my arms off and hit me with them. Um, and if I just had a bit more balls to just go, I'm sorry, sir, but we are going now to the stage, 
it would have been perfect. But because ultimately it was all my fault for just being chicken shit about one guy versus 600, I just felt so sick. I just, I just hid for, for basically the rest of the event when we should have been partying and having a great time. I just couldn't, I couldn't face anybody because even all the press from like the US that I didn't even know personally, they now knew who I was. I was the top on the stage. So it was a pretty uncomfortable evening. It's like you want people to know you, but just not this way. Absolutely. And I haven't been back to the country since, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Matt, you watched my stand-up from last week where I, I bombed horribly. Um, this week, I did a show, and it went really well. But when I got off stage, there was this guy who like came tearing in, and he was like, did I miss it? And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, man. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. I flew in for, from... I'm like, well, did you come from far? And he goes, yeah, I flew in from Aberdeen. Wow. For this. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? How, like, I'm really sorry. I just, I, you know, I was in like the first three people and God, I feel terrible. And I was like, let me buy you a beer. And then we go upstairs uh, during the break and he starts telling me like, ah, it's not really a big deal. I work at an airport. And then I was like, wait. And he goes, don't you remember the guy who went to school to be an air traffic controller? The aforementioned Phil Cooper. Right. And he's like, Man, he's like, I've applied to be a super fan so many times, and like, I never hear back from you guys. And I tweeted you to ask like what time you were going on, but you didn't, you didn't answer me. And I was like, well, you know, bef right before my shows, I'm like pretty busy. And he showed me his tweet. It was from like seven or eight hours before, and I was like, dude, I answer everybody who wants to come to a show. Turns out the dude had protected his tweets, like when he became an air traffic controller just in case like anyone wanted to like fuck with him so that means in order right. to see his tweets you actually have to follow him yes and so he's been tweeting at us for months oh phil so Ask when he says <laughs> i feel like this is my first tweet in a while hello again now it all makes sense yes and i was like holy shit dude please before you get on a plane next time to come see one of my shows that's incredible. Holler Have at you your boy. Ever had anyone actually fly from one country to another to see your stand up? Um, no, no, I haven't. So no, that's I'm a gonna first. Be, I'm going to be honest. Like knowing that I had an hour and a quarter on the northern line to come and see you, I nearly didn't bother at all. <laughs> so the the fact that someone got on a plane is pretty impressive. Well, Matt, you're one better than me because you nearly didn't bother. I just don't bother. Uh, Phil, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'm going to put you front of the list. Now that you are able to communicate again, uh, you apply and we will have your next week's podcast as the superfan. So the one other thing about Phil is that while we were upstairs, we had a conversation about like you know fans who maybe go too far or what's creepy or what's not, and I was like, nah, it's cool. Like everybody, it's just that like most people seem really normal, and then they have too much to drink, and then they get a little weird. And he's like, yeah, I would never do that. And then we have like a bunch of drinks and go downstairs, and he, we're like, I'm like, come on, sit with me. And then like while we're sitting down, he like tries to talk to me, like at full volume, and the comic on stage like totally just calls him out for being like. <laughs> Oh, that's, I see. You're the guy who likes to come down and talk in the middle of comic sets. And I was like, oh, fuck. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Nobody's got a perfect record yet. No, Phil, thanks for coming out, man. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon on Superfan versus Stapes. How about a little Malta recap, James? Yes, please. Event recap. Event recap. So the main event concluded on saturday 
92 hands played at the final table and the last one was a doozy and I've just realized and obviously we're going to talk about the Monaco main event final table later on when we do our TV recap. We've had three main events in a row now where the final hand has been pretty epic. Yeah. Set over set, flush over straight and now a mistimed bluff picked off by ace jack high. It was a great hand. I think we're putting it out there, by the way, on uh, social media channels. So if you did miss the stream and don't really want to watch a replay of the full final table, you'll get to see this amazing final hand where the winner, Boyka, had a big decision to make. Now, James, we talked over the tanking time in this hand for about seven minutes. Well, it was a five-minute tank. Is that whole section going out on social media? Because they like them short. Well, we basically reduced the thinking time a little bit. To be fair, we didn't talk all the way through it. I think we left the appropriate pauses to build the tension. Yeah, no, we were, is, we were perfect. Come on. <laughs> there is a version of the hand going out there, which is slightly reduced. It's snack-sized, I guess. But you still do feel the tension. And you feel the fact that this was not an easy decision for Boyka. It doesn't go like shove call. We haven't it's, done that to it. It's Snapchat size, so it's nine seconds long. But I think that you do <laughs> still get the tension of a two and a half second tank. Um, I have to say, and, and Matt, you did a couple of, uh, of tweet videos of like surfs up, the wind howling outside. During the last two days, we didn't run good with the weather. No. It was No, horrific. it was pretty horrific, wasn't it? Yeah. Especially as there were people started to fly out and I was thinking, I'm so glad I'm not flying out today and I just hope that by the time we start getting into anything vaguely plane shaped that the storms have somewhat calmed down. It was pretty hardcore out there. I mean, we're kind of going out of order a little bit, but uh, if we're going to talk about... I mean, the weather was fine. We flew out, but there was just a fucking explosion at the airport. No big deal. <laughs> this was... I mean, I was alerted, obviously, by the fact that both you guys tweeted about it. And then, obviously, I immediately found out that it was a fireworks factory that exploded. And apparently, it happens quite frequently in Malta, which is really disturbing. But... I'm guessing you guys had no idea what it was at the time. And even though it was seemed to be a reasonable distance away, you must have felt that blast. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. I, I can honestly say it was unlike anything I've experienced. It's like, you know, when when it's kind of fireworks night and you get one of those real huge like sky rattlers. It was that times four or five. It, it was me, me and Joey were like children playing games on his iPad. And then just suddenly this most amazing vibration womp just hit you and it, it did feel a bit a bit disaster movie like it was kind of like that uh, like that remember that scene in indiana jones where he's like trying to bust up the floor in the library and yeah. the librarian hits the stamp at the same time i was like throwing a fireball in hearthstone and then just <laughs> kaboom like an actual explosion matt literally blamed me for it after the fact and the weird thing is like you see an explosion next to an airport and you're like ah oh, we're all fucked like we're completely fucked like this is it it's the fucking it's 9-11-2, it's fucking World War Seven, whatever it is. And then, so this big gray cloud of smoke, and you're expecting more explosions, but then what do you see instead? Little fireworks. Pew, yeah. pew, pew. It was so weird because, obviously, there's kind of a moment of shock and then a moment of, oh, my God, what's about to happen? Joe, Joe all I heard was Joe go, I think we might be delayed. And... I just thought, oh, my God. And as Joe said, there's a couple of things where you think, what more are we going to see? Because the whole building shook and something fell off our building past the windows. Yeah, it, so hit the the building, was... it hit the building so hard that like a speaker or something on the side of the building right. fell off and hit the window on the way down. 
So it felt very, very real, very dramatic. But that was the weird thing is you all stare at this kind of this huge plume of smoke that's coming up. But it was so surreal because then you suddenly realized within the cloud, as the clouds started expanding, you could see lots of twinkling. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, fireworks, fireworks in the day isn't something you often see. And it was like you could only see the fireworks because of the backdrop of this expanding sure. cloud. And it just looked very kind of alien. <laughs> see, when I saw it, when I saw the picture um, that you posted, Joe, when I saw your video, Matt, I immediately recalled that scene in The Naked Gun where the car blows up yes. the fireworks factory and he's trying to get the crowd to go away. Go, nothing, <laughs> nothing to, to see here. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing fireworks yes. display going off in the background. Um, I mean, obviously... Uh, I'm pleased that it wasn't anything more sinister. Uh, pleased that you guys managed to get out okay. It makes my journey home seem like really trivial because I had no problems getting out in the morning other than uh, obviously I checked my privilege and saw that my status on BA allowed me to use the posh queue, the, uh, the, the executive club queue, which unfortunately was full of old people. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound ageist, but seriously... None of them check in before getting to the airport. None of them have the right documentation. They all have. You know why, James? Because the last time they went to mainland Europe, they were fucking fighting on the beaches in Normandy. They didn't need a goddamn passport <laughs> and to take the laptop out of their bag. You fucking young son of a bitch. They all have the identical <laughs> plastic folders with itineraries, <laughs> car hire confirmation, hotel confirmation, tips of restaurants to go to. Assorted pills. And buried in there somewhere is their confirmation of their flight, which has their number then of course when they get to the desk and once we've gone through the process of putting bags and it's like well mavis wants an aisle seat but betty wants a window but betty won't sit near mavis <laughs> so it's just like for fuck's sake this queue is moving at a snail's pace um so but yes, no explosions but though. no explosions huh, geez, no explosions. that's crazy um, oh Matt, I love the fact that you have now become a roving reporter, by the way, and that your video was picked up by so many news outlets. You were in all the newspapers I hate to read, like The Sun, The Mail, The Mirror. I was in a few too, but not nearly as many as Matt. But Matt's tweet was also quoted. So in the middle of this serious article about an explosion, there's this douche with his fucking Superman t-shirt and his Clark Kent specs. <laughs> I must admit, I wish I'd thought of a, a more dramatic caption because what I was about to say was I, I kind of was just standing staring out the window and it was only once I saw the fireworks, I thought that's really weird and I thought I should film this because I have no idea what's going on. And so I kind of whapped out the, the phone and just started filming. You'll be glad to notice I did it in landscape, not portrait. Well done. And, um, <laughs> and, and that was the weird thing is that I filmed it. I don't even know. I kind of filmed it for 30 seconds or something and then just posted it and the caption said something like, Huge explosion at the airport, um, strangely followed by fireworks. Really, really weird or something like that, <laughs> which, you know, isn't exactly journalistic uh, content at its best. But, of course, then we, we move quite quickly, fortunately, onto our plane and there doesn't appear to be any delays. And I very, you know, dutifully put my phone on airplane mode. And, of course, when I turned it back on when we got to Heathrow, I've just got like 50 random messages from people saying can we use your video can we use your video can we have permission to use your video um and i'm like yeah of course go for it but hadn't realized in fact james it was only when you sent me something to do with today's recording and said that one of the topics was that this coverage went everywhere so i did a search for it and of course there's of course. just like 50 websites and various places that that had and it was brilliant because first of all there's a picture this is instagram states and then, and then after it, as you say, is that really embarrassing picture of me from the Superman, 
cinema viewing that I went to that we've spoken about previously, just looking like a right tall, going, oh, look, <laughs> things are blown up. Whee, Superman! But also you've got this um, serious news article about this explosion, this video, and it's credit at the waster. <laughs> I know, I didn't even get the chance to have my, my real name thrown across the internet. But luckily, as you know, I'm, I'm not worried about such things. As long as that picture of me pretending to be Superman Clark Kent, that's, that's really all the, all the credit I ever need. As far as I know, mine only went two places. The Independent asked for permission. And lo and behold, the Russian Times just stole my photograph <laughs> without even so much as a fucking retweet. Yep, Sun didn't, Sun didn't ask for my permission. They just put it on the front page of their website. I don't know if any of this stuff got in the actual paper. I'm not so going to stoop that low. if there are any lawyers listening who want to act on behalf <laughs> of Matt and Joe... If anybody and- wants to sue Russia for me, let's do it. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, obviously, the fact that I'm speaking to you and I can actually see you right in front of me, Joe, you obviously got home safely. No other hassles on the flight? There were any delays or anything? Matt had something. Oh... Yeah, okay. Well, Joe, you don't even know about this because it, it's one of those things where we almost – I can't tell you any stories on the spot because I think that might be quite fun for the podcast. So because we had quite a lot of time to kill on that last day, I had a task that I decided I'm going to try and take care of that rather than just sitting around playing Clash Royale is I had a bunch of backing tracks, like music backing tracks I needed to edit for a music thing I'm doing. So and in fact, I sat with Joe in the hotel lobby doing it. And he was like, hey, what are you up to there, buddy? And we talked about it. I did a bit at the airport, and then when we got on the plane, I thought, right, well, this is my chance to finish it off. So as soon as we'd taken off and the seatbelt signs are off, I get the laptop up on the uh, on the tray, and I put my headphones in. And uh, the levels are kind of quiet, but it's noisy on the plane, and I'm dicking about turning things up, and I'm cutting stuff and adding click tracks and fading out. And I'm aware at the same time people around me are kind of doing the same thing. They're getting their headphones out and, and organizing their iPads and stuff. And I'm... Um, clacking away doing my thing and then i get a tap on the shoulder and i turn around and there's this face going excuse me would you mind turning that down a bit and i'm like what and i realized i've taken my headphones out to hear what this guy (laughs) says to me i can still hear my music so it's not that the levels were quiet it's that i hadn't put the, the headphones in properly so actually the levels are fine and I realize I'm just sitting here like a douchebag blasting out my tune. <laughs> like some guy who just imagines the plane will want to hear it all. Um, and also the fact I'm like jumping around and cutting stuff, it's not even a pleasant thing for people to listen to. No, because you're just and listening realize, to the same thing over and over and over again, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, just like, yeah. And also I realized that it wasn't that people were having the same idea as me when they were getting their, out, their stuff out. They were trying to drown me out. So they're all putting <laughs> their headphones on thinking, well, I'm not listening to this guy's instrumental music for the next three hours. So when they... When Um, they were, like, picking up their headphones and then showing them to you threateningly, (laughs) you weren't taking that as the hint that they meant, which is put on your fucking headphones, sir. I thought we were all just making eye contact and, well, I guess now we can all watch our films sort of thing. (laughs) Um, And even worse is I don't know how we wingled it, but myself and Joey were, like, in the air mortar version of premium class or or whatever. (laughs) And I was the very last row. So the worst thing was the lads who prodded me, they had to prod me through the curtains of privilege. Oh, man. Check your privilege. Look at these people up in first class who don't think they need to use headphones. I'm flying business. I can boom music through my laptop. (laughs) Have you ever heard of a laptop before? (laughs) And I want to now apologize because I feel like a complete twat. 
So I want to turn around and say, guys, look, I didn't, I didn't even realize I didn't have my headphones on. I didn't mean to play. I'm so sorry. But I turn around and, of course, there are the curtains of privilege. And I, I'm like Morecambe and Wise. I can't find the slit to open up the curtains. <laughs> so I'm now like this complete mental punching and thrashing his way through these red curtains and these guys just look at me like oh my god he's gonna like kill us all and going i'm awfully sorry chaps i didn't know i had the headphone plugged in and of course for the rest of the flight i have to keep taking the headphones out my ears to just make sure <laughs> that it's i'm not annoying anyone because i thought well it took those guys a good five minutes to let me know but um yeah i did i did feel a little bit stupid but hey if there was nothing happened to me on the way home, I'd have nothing to talk about now, would I? So well, it's all silver linings. But Matt also thought that, in, a, in addition to him offending people or orally, he thought that I was <laughs> offending people in the nostrils because the first question he asked me was, did you fart on the plane? You two have previous. <laughs> no. Well, it, I'm, I, do you know what? I'm going to call on James because James will recall that the very night before, our yeah. last night after the final table finished, is Joe did clear out a good percentage Absolutely. of an entire hotel lobby. As I said, you've with, got previous. Now, I, what I said on this show before, okay, so what my question to Matt was, did you smell it multiple times? And he said yes, and I was like, well, that isn't me. Because my policy, as you know, is that I will do it for as long as I get away with it, but as soon as there is a smell involved, that's where I cut it off. So if you smelled it once, it could have been me. But if it was more than once, I had nothing to do with it. Or maybe there was a partner. It might have just been. Maybe there was a second one shooter on the grassy knoll. <laughs> or it could have just been a Joey Guff just traveling around the plane because there's no kind of there's no real air circulating, so it's just this cloud of Joey colored. You could actually time. Around. You could actually time how long it takes the air to circulate through the plane based on how long it takes to return to you. See, I was going to attempt to raise the tone by talking about the last night in Malta, but sadly it involves mini Tenerife, which I don't really think is necessarily going to add class to the proceedings. Actually, before we get to that, Matt, another mishap you had was a rather vigorous handshake with the overzealous security <coughs> guard that we had who was protecting the cards up area of the EPT live stream. This guy was awesome. I've never seen a so enthusiastic and engaged security guards, considering at some venues we have to actually keep waking them up. Like where they've, <laughs> you know, and, and naming, naming no names, the Bahamas, um, <laughs> is that this guy, he was, I mean, he was actually on the edge of his seat. He was into it. He's watching the poker and he's really excited. Oh my God! He was—he was just like fist pumping when the when the call was finally made and Boyka. He was just—he was all over it. And at the end of it, he was—he's running in and out of the room and he's shaking our hands and congratulating us. But people might remember if they watched EPT not live at EPT live in Barcelona, I was on the table wearing an elbow brace because I've had this really bad tennis elbow. You're since falling just apart, basically. I mean, your body's rotting. I am rotting. falling apart. <laughs> I am rotting from the inside out. Um, and I was really pleased because for almost the entire time in Malta, I had braved not wearing the, the arm brace. Uh, I was shaking hands with people. I was kind of working my elbow back into like society. And then this enormous brick shit house security guy in his enthusiasm, having got like the final table is done. We're flying home tomorrow. I can't believe I've got through this whole trip. This is fantastic news for my dodgy arm. 
is he comes up, grabs my arm, crushes my hand, <laughs> just gives me one of those, you know, those ridiculous handshakes where people ordinarily are trying to impress you. In this case, he was just out of control with excitement <laughs> and just totally, totally fucked up my arm right back to square one. And he, Joey is just standing next to me going, hey, buddy, I mean, I'm sorry that it hurt, but that's really funny. We were saying he was saying congratulations. We couldn't work out whether he was congratulating us on a job well done or if he thought we'd won the poker tournament. Right, like because I was, uh, I, he first shook my hand and said congratulations to me, and I was like, oh, he must have saw me doing the winner interview and doing the trophy presentation and thought that I was the one who won this. But then he said congratulations to you and James too. So I really, I think that he just. Just knew it was a well-oiled broadcast. He was a very, very sweet man. There's actually one other <coughs> member of staff at the venue that I want to... When you, By the way, when you put this it, like as a note for something, overzealous security guard, I thought you meant the guy that yelled at you and Matt for making fun of the commercial. <laughs> Remember that guy? We were like waiting for Francine to leave the venue, and you and Matt were just trolling this, this we were not advert trolling it. super we were, hard. First of all, we were genuinely trying to break it down and work out what the actual narrative of the advert was, and then we found a way of improving it by making it a musical. <laughs> Sadly, this guy did not appreciate our lyrical additions to the music that accompanied the commercial, and came up the stairs to check what we were doing. And- well, he gave us with the old, is everything okay, guys? Like the most passive aggressive like quiet the fuck down children line you can possibly give people um i was not going to give that guy a shout out i was not going to salute that guy instead i was going to highlight the man i like to call maltese kasuf who was a waiter (laughs) who looked after us during our evening dinners and would basically like you know clear up plates afterwards and he just had a certain air of the kasufs about him visually uh which led to me shouting any plates about clearing tables (laughs) like a boss (laughs) I did a little Snapchat of James uh, doing that impression. You guys should... uh... Matt, did you do Snapchat? I didn't. Oh, no, I do Snapchat. Yeah, not much. But yes, I I have seen seen your post. What's your Snapchat name? My one is... uh, I'm guessing it's The Waster. I don't know. It's probably The Waster. Waster. I'm Joey Stabes. Give us a follow on Snapchat because we do fun stuff from the events. Okay, to close out this Malta recap, let's talk about Mini Tenerife because even though this is our third trip to Malta in 18 months, it's the first time I've actually ventured a couple of blocks over into this place which is like some dystopian vision of teenage hell. If Yeah, I did describe it to someone as it's like, imagine if Blade Runner had a wank over Tron. That's what (laughs) I really like Mini Tenerife. It's like a bunch of bars and clubs and strip clubs all in one area. It's like if the entire Las Vegas strip was shrunk down to like one city block, um, minus the casinos. I like that spot. Matt probably saved my life, though. You know what, Matt? It kind of was like Blade Runner. Like we were a Decker walking around showing people pictures of a girl. One of Joey's fictional girls that wanted to sleep with him, who I'm pretty sure was a fake identity designed to lure desperate single men into a bar on the promise of, hey, I'm a dancer and I work here. Why don't you come along? I'm, and we just spent an hour in this bar still buying drinks. So story checks out, but never finding fictional Cassandra or whatever her name was. Right. And so Matt eventually was like, I bet this bar just has like an online dating profile and just tells a bunch of fucking idiots to show up at yeah. a certain time to like buy drinks. And... At first, I didn't believe him, but then I was like, the more I thought, I was like, that story really checks out because she's like, I'll be back there tomorrow night from 1230 to two. And I was like, "Um." (laughs) best case scenario, it's a bar that lures people into drink. Worst case scenario, hostel. 
Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> organ thieves. So that's what I'm saying. Like I've, I've, I'm going to give Matt, like Matt has like a 10% free roll on my kidney for the, <laughs> for the rest of my the life. Is, I, what, I re- what I was really hoping that was when we got to the bar is there'd just be a lot of Joey's. There'd just be all these guys looking like, at their phones, <laughs> looking at their giant phones, just going up to girls. And just that if you kind of the camera pans back, you realize that the room is full of Joey's. It's just like some surreal plot where the only customers there are Joey's and there's no actual legit customers at all. But you, it was a good ploy. It got a good, good 20 euros out of us. You have to admit it was like kind of fun little mystery because like I like eventually I was like, what's a big deal? I'll just ask people if they know her. So I asked the DJ. He's like, haven't seen her, man. Don't know her. Asked the bartender. And then there are these two girls like in costume that we thought might be them. And Matt's like, I'll get to the bottom of this for you. And the the girls went like backstage at the bar and Matt just followed <laughs> them in there. Just walked the right is, in. I, get, I thought I need a resolution. We either need to like, we either need to, to write this off or go for it. So I just started barging into no entry staff only areas going, excuse me, everybody. Could I have your attention, please? And someone tried to stop him and his response was, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Malta is in the books and you'll be able to watch uh, the two TV shows that we made in Malta before the end of the year. We're going to turn them around really quickly. That's going to close out, um, our batch of shows from season 13 of the EPT. We covered the 25k high roller and the main event, but now we're going to go back in time to Monaco and talk about the TV shows that we made at the EPT 12 grand final TV recap. And we have two shows to talk about because last week, while we're in Malta, we aired the Grand Final Super High Roller, the 100k event. And this week, we aired the Grand Final Main Event. I was going to try to impress you, James, and tell you that I remember. Now, I didn't rewatch the Super High Roller Final Table. I only had time to watch last night's show. But I remember that that's the one that went heads up between Ola Shemian and Mustafa Kanet. Correct. And Ola Shemian wins. That is right. Right? Yes! I don't know how I pulled that out of my ass. I, I think maybe it's this new diet I'm on, but I just feel like my brain is clicking these days. So if you haven't seen the show already, Joe has just given you a major spoiler and told you who won. But oh, yeah, not being funny, the event happened back in May of this year. Uh, that show is available to watch at PokerStars.tv. If you're in the UK and Ireland, I think it's still exclusive to Channel4.com slash poker. Uh, just a couple of tweets about that show. Craig Towles was watching, and he was very impressed by the hand between Ola Shemian and uh, Fatehi, the amateur at the table, where Shemian called the guy down with ace high. Um, and he was also impressed by Mustafa Kanet folding queens to Shemian's kings, although he says, what a laydown, hats off to Canute. So he's crediting <laughs> the laydown to King Canute. Uh, more feedback on last night's episode, which I guess is the show we're going to go into in more detail, because obviously it's the one that aired on Channel 4 within the last 24 hours. It's the one that's fresh in Joe's memory. Uh, we had uh, Ketsvan who tweeted watching poker on Channel 4 because some things are more important than sleep. Leslie asks, do you think that Adrian Alan and Jan Bendik had three shredded wheat for breakfast? How's this for a hand? <laughs> Referring to the hand that we referred to earlier on, set over set to end the grand final main event. Uh, one more comment on that hand from Sean McCaffrey. God, that turn card, which is when Bendik caught up by spiking a 10. Poker is a horrible game. And the final piece of analysis from a member of the EPT TV audience, Joe Bedford. Pokestars and Monte Carlo Casino Grand Final is nuts. Heads up, and it's all over. 
Which is China how it works. <laughs> um, I just think it's amazing that I managed to have two different shows this week run up against the World Series of Poker main event final table. <laughs> Looking forward to that not happening anymore. When Sean McCaffrey tweeted that, God, that turn, poker is a horrible game. I did not know if he was referring to our show or to the World Series. I would think if he was referring to the World Series, he wouldn't have tagged his tweet EPT Live slash EPT Not But Live. some people don't know. Some people think it's no, all the Sean same. Sean knows what he's talking about. Sean's a super fan. He gets it. And it was very clear to me that when you're talking about a dramatic turn card, it has to be that final hand. Matt, I know you haven't watched the show, but I'm sure you remember it from the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, joking aside, that's kind of why I don't necessarily watch the shows anymore is because I do have a normal human memory, unlike Joe. So it kind of feels <laughs> like watching a film that I watched the night before all over again. But yeah, certainly a, a, a stunner. I mean, I guess the narratives here were Bendik himself, who was the eventual champion, yeah. the guy who, as you said, Joe, has come so close so many times. He's been a player of the year. He's finaled the main event three times. Then, of course, you've got the trio of French friends. But then you've got the guy at the spin-and-go qualifier. And obviously, Monaco is the first time we'd run the spin-and-go qualifiers for an EPT. We had 121 of them. And one out of the 121 made it into the final six and cashed out for a six-figure score. Not only did he make it, but he was from Kazakhstan. So he had this hilarious, like, legit Borat accent that I obviously wanted to do oh so badly. And I'm like, no, this is the kind of... We don't do this in 2016 anymore. No. But I really was expecting him to be like, my wife um it was just <laughs> fucking awesome i thought there were so many likable people at this final table except for some of the french guys not as likable but i'm not saying specifically because they were french but like there's the guy we just mentioned yan bendik is fucking hysterical and i love when a guy like yan bendik wins because it makes all the fucking strat guys go crazy like they all lose their fucking minds like oh, how is this happening in 2016 and i fucking love it because as he said himself gambler with a big heart uh, of the French guys, we have Pierre Calamusa, and this brought me back to the live stream where we were deciding what kind of a dish Calamusa would yes. be and what it would taste like. Uh, Adrian <laughs> Alain, who pulled that amazing bluff against Jimmy Guerrero, getting him to fold ace high. I think he had nine high, like a boss. Um, and then, of course, Alain gets heads up against Bendik and set of tens against a set of eights. We kind of thought it might go in on the turn. It ends up going in on the river, and bless Bendik, draped in that Slovakian flag. Just just, just so proud of himself. Matt, I know that, so because you didn't watch the show, there's one thing you missed, and I typically don't watch the very end of the show ever, because uh, James mm. does the voiceover for it. I'm like done with my work at that point. But in this particular show, there's like one of those cheesy, so, you know, public domain songs that we use for everything, and it's singing about, the last line says, makes me feel like I can fly. And then there's this shot of like oh, a is it with the bird yeah yes. it's the same I'm, it's the same yeah. closer from the webcast you're absolutely right matt do, do, you, do you know what that was a beautiful moment i, ha I haven't seen it on the tv show but i remember sitting because i always think those closing little montages are just amazing apart from the fact they've been put together and the very final action from the final table has only actually finished in real life moments ago so that's even more impressive how it comes into the live streams but that bit with the seagull and the camera just tracks it and then and then, uh, do you know what? i'm getting goosebumps now just think about it, it such a beautiful image right yeah. and so i i was i was drunk last night watching the show when it happened i was like i was like this is awesome and i was like everyone everyone needs to know about this they need to know you gotta watch the whole show because somebody worked really hard on this can i just salute the man who cut that together in monaco and it was then obviously repurposed for the tv show josh baker one of our editors here. well what awesome. about 
in addition to Josh, good job. But what about the member of the Audubon Society who fucking caught that seagull taking off, huh? <laughs> Somebody needs credit there, too. Look, I, th that's all I had to talk about for our shows. I just had one suggestion for the World Series of Poker show. Right. How did they not do a sketch with Griffin Benger, like, flying to Vegas, and then he's, like, he's, like, uh, checking in for his flight and they're like how many items would you like to check and then the, the person's like are you sure you don't want to check your privilege and then he goes to like <laughs> check into the hotel and he's like oh you'll be staying here for would you like to leave any of your privilege with our doorman like that would just been fucking hilarious <laughs> I don't think other poker shows do sketches Joe and to be fair we dropped them last season they so. should though like the big sporting events like the like the Academy Awards right like because look poker's not all sport Poker's like there's a certain amount of showmanship to it. And if they did like a skit at the beginning of it of like Griffin getting harassed about checking his privilege everywhere, I thought it would have been fucking hilarious. Anyway, that brings to a conclusion season 12 of the EPT. Shit. All those final tables available at pokerstars.tv. Next week, we start airing a three part series called The Best of the EPT, counting down the 40 greatest hands from the first 12 seasons of the European Poker Tour. So next week, we can talk about some of those moments, Joe, because there'll be hands in that I guarantee you will have never seen before uh, and ones that I guarantee you don't remember commentating on. But I think we should also try and speak. <laughs> that seems like a safe bet. No, but hold, yeah. hold on really a second, though, because in Monaco, they showed a hand, a highlight of a hand, and you were like, I have no recollection of well, this Well, first hand. of all, it was in Malta, but you were close. Uh, and M, they're <laughs> M words. Who gives a fuck? They're both islands. Yeah, this was a hand from Barcelona, which was the uh, full house against full house against full house. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I had completely forgotten Is that, that in the shows, or are we just um, teasing a thing that's probably I'm, not in it? <laughs> it's, it's not in the show, but there's lots of other great moments in there, and next week, as well as breaking down some of those hands, I do think we should try and speak to at least one of the players involved in them. Oh, sure. Well, that'll be easy. We should be able to get someone from the three best of shows. Uh, well, we've got to get one from episode one, episode two, episode three. Well, we got a lot to choose from. Yeah, so those best of shows start airing next week, and of course, you can see them on Channel 4 in the UK, and of course, they're available at pokestars.tv just the very next day. Um, Joseph, it's time to go into the lobby. Because we want to highlight some of the satellites running right now for the final EPT of all time. Remember, the European Poker Tour concludes in Prague in December and then morphs into the PokerStars Championship. And I think it's fair to say that we've kind of told people now that they really should be searching for Bahamas in the lobby if they want to try and be at the Atlantis Resort and Casino in January. And make sure you watch out for the special Spin and Go Bahamas qualifiers which start running in five days' time, this is from the time of recording, the 7th of November, Monday the 7th, is when we start running $10 spin-and-go qualifiers to the Bahamas. But yes, Prague satellites are running as well. I don't think you can spin-and-go your way to Prague, but there are so many sats running right now. The lobby's so full of them, I, I can't even highlight. But, you know, for just a few dollars, you can work your way up through the steps of those satellites and be in Prague for the very final EPT main event and I still maintain it's going to be an emotional occasion even though the tour lives on even though we're going to be back in Prague probably 12 months later it is going to be an emotional event mostly because I'll probably be drunk the Chris I'm a big fan of the mulled wine it's very difficult to smell it on someone's breath Matt Matt are you going to get uh, emotional at Prague uh, uh it really depends how much they pay me Joe <laughs> um, I can't just cry on demand, but if the invoice is big enough, I'm sure tears will well. Well, bear in mind that Matt is now more machine than man. He is, uh, he's, he's a breath of emotions. He doesn't cry in movies. He certainly is going to try during a live stream. <laughs> 
the thing is, James, I, I now understand why you cry. It's just not something I could ever do. <laughs> I was going to say that Matt, probably the last time Matt cried was at his wedding, but that's because Elvis went into overtime. <laughs> he charged extra per song. Unbelievable. <laughs> so wait, if, um, we can give somebody a chance to maybe win their way to Prague, right? Uh, I've just realized that yet again, we have got a super fan from North America. So alternative prizes are on offer this week. Well, maybe he can sell the coffee mug that we uh, could potentially <laughs> send him on eBay and then start playing on Poker Stars New Jersey or something and win his way to Prague. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Or as I like to call it, Stapes Stalker versus Stapes, because we have a man who's been inside Joe Stapleton's house. <laughs> I'm so glad that ended with his house. We welcome to the show, Jeffrey Anbinder. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm fine, thanks. It's Ann Binder, though. Oh, God. Jesus, we got to redo the whole segment. Just kidding. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Jeff. Ann Binder. Um, what's up, dude? How's it going? Uh... Pretty good, thanks. Uh, although I'm feeling a little dumb for scheduling this for the morning after the the final three of the World Series of Poker main event final table. So yeah, you're on the east coast of the United States. It's six o'clock in the morning. Did you, seven seven in the morning? Did you stay up all night to watch it? Because it just ended, by the way. Did it really? Yeah. Do you want to know who won? No. Um, you might as well tell me because I'm sure I'm going to find that anyway. We were up till about two thirty. We just couldn't make it any further. Well, the players almost couldn't make it any further, but it just ended. Kui Win ended up winning 181 hands at the final wow. table. So, uh, Jeff, I just want to say thanks a lot, man. You and your wife came out to uh, to my stand-up show in New Jersey, came over to my house afterward. You guys were the life and slash lives of the party. Had a really good time. Also, James, much like our superfan Glenn, Glenn Weber, um, Jeff is one of these dudes who's punching way above his weight, wife-wise. <laughs> <laughs> He is doing really, really well. One of my uh, one of my friends from college, who's a, an anchor now on the Golf Channel, when he met my wife for the first time, he he said I had outkicked my coverage. Nice. Oh wow, that's man. Poker fans still like making poker metaphors and stuff like that. I just do not go there anymore in my life. <laughs> okay, so I have in front of me the sealed envelope, Jeffrey, of questions relating to the subject of classic rock. There are eight questions in total. That's four questions each. Uh, Matt Broughton. Hello. You have a role to play here. I need you to keep score, but also you are going to be a phone a friend for both contestants oh. here. Because you are Super. a musician, you should have a decent knowledge of rock music. So I'm going to open this up to both Jeffrey and Stapes. It's a one-time-only deal. If you are literally flummoxed and don't know what to say, you can call on Matt Broughton's advice and he can potentially answer the question for you. Wow, I feel so special and perhaps completely overrepresented in this particular situation. Uh, the other part, uh, your other role in the game, Matt, will be to select a question number. So, for example, Jeffrey's going to go first. There are eight questions, but Matt, you pick which question I ask. I'm trying to randomise this. I'm trying to make this as fair as possible. I like it. I like being involved. I like, I like that you've brought me into this so that I don't just have to sit on the end of the phone listening to two people playing pop quiz. It's very kind of you. <laughs> Now, Jeffrey, you are playing for, and everyone loves a chop pot hat and a Poker Stars coffee mug because obviously, being based in the state of New York, you cannot play for a Step C ticket. 
Sounds fantastic. And I think my wife is going to take the hat if I win it. Okay. Jeff, have you uh, pl- gone over to play in New Jersey yet? Poker Stars New Jersey? I have, actually. I, I went over a, f- a few days in, in June, and I actually did pretty well. The problem is, once you factor in the cost of the, the subway into Manhattan and then the path train to Hoboken and the beers and the lunch I was having at the bar where I was using <laughs> their Wi-Fi... <laughs> You know, it just it wasn't uh, wasn't the kind of profit that I was hoping for. But it was it was fun to play poker for money online. We would uh, we would try to get you a prize from the Poker Stars New Jersey, but uh, they want nothing to do with us. So uh, we're just going to stick to the coffee <laughs> mug and the hat. Okay, okay. Let's get the game started. Superfan versus Stakes. So the first question will be for Superfan Jeffrey. Matt, pick a number between one and eight. Number three. Number three, your first question, Jeffrey. They're all multiple choice, by the way. Which of the following Beatles songs was not a number one hit? Ticket to Ride, Hello Goodbye, I Am the Walrus, or Lady Madonna? I'm going to say it was uh, I Am the Walrus. I Am the Walrus is correct for a point. Too weird. Too weird. Joe, your first question. Matt, give him a number. Number six. Number six. Six divisible by three. Which of the following statements Shit. about Elton John is false? He started playing piano at the age of three. His first top ten single was Your Song. He once claimed to own 250,000 pairs of glasses. His biggest selling single is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Oh, man. Can You Feel the Love Tonight is the wrong, the, the lie. Correct. Yes! His biggest selling single is Candle in the Wind. Correct. Woo! I fucking know my Elton John, bitches. <laughs> there was no bonus question attached to that, but, you know, I'm impressed nonetheless. Uh, it's Actually, ne- Go on, go on, Jeffrey. Sorry to interrupt. Wasn't his biggest selling single uh, Candle in the Wind UK, the uh, the rewritten version for Diana? Well, it's still called Candle in the Wind. Oh, don't nobody likes a know-it-all. Objection. <laughs> Ob- I, I object to that. Sustained. Uh, Matt, pick a question for Jeffrey. Number one. Number one. Jeffrey, which of the following artists was not a member of the Travelling Wilburys? Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, Tom Petty, or Eric Clapton? Eric Clapton. Correct. The score is 2-1. It's Joe's second question. Matt's going to pick a number. Number two. Which of the following artists recorded the most sold album of all time? The Eagles, Pink Floyd, Michael Jackson, or The Beatles? The Eagles, Hell Freezes Over! Correct! Tight game. How do I know stuff about stuff all of a sudden? What the fuck is happening? I, I clearly we found <laughs> we found your specialist subject, Joe. You know why I'm using well the done, Joe. I'm using the force today. Like I'm not thinking about it. I'm just fucking go. I'm just Malcolm Gladwelling it. Going with your instincts, uh, Matt. I need you to pick a question for Jeffrey. Number four. Number four. Jeffrey, which band released a greatest hits album called Ten from Six? Boston, Journey, Bad Company, or Cheap Trick? I believe it's Bad Company. It is, and the score is 3-2. Next question for Joe, please, Matt. Number eight. Question number eight. Which of the following Genesis albums was recorded in the post-Peter Gabriel era? Uh-oh. Duke. Uh-oh, yeah. Foxtrot. As soon as you mentioned Genesis, I thought you were in trouble here. Duke, Foxtrot, Selling England by the Pound, or Trespass? James Hardigan, I would like to invo- invoke my trial by combat, and I name my warrior Matt Broughton to field this question for me. Matt, give him the answer. <laughs> right, could I have the question again, please, James? One of the following Genesis albums was recorded in the post-Peter Gabriel era. 
i.e. after he left the band? Was it Duke, I understand. Foxtrot, Selling England by the Pound, or Trespass? Now, Matt, this is Genesis the band, not Sega Genesis, okay? So no Sonic, no fucking Altered Beast. Okay, I'm going with Duke. Correct for a point. Yes! Yeah, high five, buddy. Still a tied game as we enter the final round. Uh, question five or seven for Jeffrey, Matt? It's going to be always coming seven for the guests. Okay, Jeffrey, can you tell me the name of Billy Joel's first band? Was it the Freewheeling Ultimato, the Illusion, the Echoes, or the Stokes of Time? The Echoes. Correct. Oh, shit. Shit, he's perfect Man. so far, huh? And he didn't even phone his Matt? He didn't. Okay, Joe, final question. <laughs> if you get this question right, we go to the tiebreaker. Which band had a hit with 2112 Overture? The Eagles, the Rolling Stones, Rush, or Fleetwood Mac? Rush. Correct. Woo! Wow! Both contestants have gone four for four, so we do go to the tiebreaker. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to ask a question, Jeffrey, which I guarantee you will not know the answer to. It's a number. And here's the thing. You can either set the line or you can take the over-under. So what do you want to do? As the superfan, I'm giving you the chance to guess the number or decide to take the over or the under. Ooh. Uh, since I have no idea what the question is, I should probably go with the over-under. Okay, Joe, you have to set the line then. How many REM albums do I currently have on my iPhone? 400 <laughs> million. Is that your real answer? Yes, I'm setting the line at 400 million. Okay. Um, Jeffrey, do you wish to take the over or the under on 400 million? It's a close one, but I think I might go with the under. Well, amazingly. Oh, no, you totally underestimated what a, what a huge <laughs> REM fan. Jesus. He's, do he's done modifications. Uh, no, obviously, well done. Yes, the current answer is always coming seven. There were ah. seven REM albums on my phone. Jeffrey, congratulations. You've won Superfan versus Stapes. You've won yourself that baseball cap and that coffee mug. Fantastic. Now, I have to warn you, Jeffrey, we once sent a coffee mug to someone in Hemel Hempstead and it arrived in pieces. I have no idea <laughs> whether it will make it across the Atlantic in one piece, but hey, I'm sure they sell super glue in Brooklyn. It'll be a collector's item, whether it's broken or not. He'll have to get some artisan super glue if it's in Brooklyn. <laughs> free range, free range yeah. artisanal hipster super glue. Jeffrey, thank you very much for coming on the show and taking part in this episode of Superfan vs. Stapes. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, uh, we are almost out of time for this week's show. I realized there was something during the TV recap segment that I did not get to that I wanted to talk about really quickly. Uh, Shane Schlager was tweeting a lot during the World Series of Poker final table, and he tweeted something uh, that went like this. Have we heard hit him with the hind even once at this World Series of Poker main event? And hit him with the hind is it's a Howard Stern thing. right? Exactly. It's a Howard Stern thing. And Joe Buck does it constantly during baseball games and uh, NFL games. Oh, really? Games. Yeah. Okay, well, the thing is that when you do them, and then if you send them into Stern, he'll play them on the show. And so uh, on the show that aired last night, the EPT TV show, I had my own crack at Hit Him With The Hine. 
What is this? I, I I have to I have to speak up for all the people that have no idea oh, what you're sure. talking about. Sorry. Right now. So there's this like immensely popular radio show in the States called the Howard Stern Show. I think most people have heard of Howard Stern, even if they've never yes, heard I of him. Yes, I have heard show. of him. And so there used to be this thing that he would encourage his fans to do, which is to yell Baba Booey at really awkward moments. You've probably seen people make references to the joke. Uh so like there'll be like a news conference and someone will just be like, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, and then he plays it on a show where there's this new one now where they torture this member of their staff named John Hine, who who kind of has a big ego. So for a while, every time he would leave the room, one of his friends would very earnestly, but obviously taking the piss, look at him and go, hey, hit him with the hind as he would like leave for the day. And so it evolved into this monster where there's like a sound drop now that goes, hit him with the hind. And like all these sportscasters have started to work it into their sports commentary <laughs> in an attempt. Well, I did it last night in an attempt to get on the Howard Stern show. Here it is. Unless it is a king on the river, he is out in fifth place. Poor guy probably expected to be up against a flush draw most of the time. All right. Not flat, I guess. Nobody expects Yen Bendix, Yen Bentrips. Clops or diamond. The river. It's a king! Hit him with the hind! I don't know how or why, new phone, who dis? That's why I'm the best, huh? <laughs> Yan is not amused. Baba Booey. Hello, hello. Hey now, the king of all suckouts. So I added a bunch more in at the end just in case, like, they hit him with the hind wasn't enough. It hasn't been submitted yet, but I'm hoping that a certain super fan, whoever you may be, is going to rip it off this podcast and send it to Howard Well, not Stern. even the podcast. I would like them to probably send the video, like sure. the YouTube clip, just so they can see what's happening visually and decide if they want to use it. But I made it chock full of Howard Stern references. Do you not worry that you've actually created the equivalent of too many out syndrome and that by over-egging <laughs> the pudding slightly, you might miss? It's entirely possible because I did it once on another one of my poker shows and it didn't go through. But oh. I'm thinking this one's more serious sounding. Like you sound like it sounds like I'm kind of trolling you because you're like all like trying to do like a broadcast and I'm like ba ba booey like an idiot. But you that's that's what you always do. <laughs> yeah. Considering how excited you were when you told us that Adam Carolla, who I'd never heard of, mentioned you. If Howard Stern, who I have heard of, mentioned you surely that's it you just retire we'd never see you again your life would be complete there's like a very very small chance he would actually mention me by name there is a uh, he may play the clip he might go oh this is from uh this is from a poker show and then he'll just play it and then move on but ah. uh yes you will probably be able to see my erection from space uh that is all <laughs> the time we have got for this week's show coming up next week i guess the best of yeah we'll break down that first best of show make sure you give it a watch uh we'll try and get a guest on who features in one of the hands in that show um, and hopefully, now that Phil Cooper is back in the land of communication, we can arrange him to come on the show as the superfan. Excellent. Matt, anything? Any last words? Baba boy, Give him the high. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's all the time we got for this week's show. For Matt Brown and James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.